Welcome to the Raising Thriving Athletes podcast, the show for coaches and parents of young athletes who want to set up their athletes for success on the field and in life, where smarter training beats overtraining and healthy habits replace visits to the doctor's office. Coming to you from Surf City, USA, this is Matt Swift. I'm the host for your show with the Raising Thriving Athletes podcast. Thanks for joining me. Um, I am a physical therapist and a parent of athletes. I am a coach. I am an ex-college athlete with soccer, and I even referee sometimes. I should keep on putting that in now. Uh, I'm involved in a lot of areas of sport. I love sport. I love uh, what it does in youth and the effect that it had on my life. And it actually is one of the main factors that led me into the profession I am right now. So um, just really excited for you to be on this podcast. We are talking, this podcast, the topic is about early specialization in sports for youth and going into what that is about. I have a conversation with a pediatric orthopedic surgeon from Delaware. Uh, his name is Dr. Atanda. And he specializes in in sports medicine, youth sports, um, surgeries, injuries. So it's a very interesting conversation of seeing someone that um, sees the end result of when kids are injured. And the ultimate last stop is at the orthopedics office there. And he gets to he's at the end of that train. And so he is going to speak to what he sees in his um, daily work. Uh, before we get into that, I do want to bring up, we do have a freebie for you. We have an offering of a um, annual sports cycle planner. And what that is, it's just a, a simple sheet that will help you plan out your kids' uh, year on when they're going to play sports, what sports they're going to play, uh, when they're going to have the rest period, which you're going to, if you listen to this conversation, you're going to understand why that's so important. And um, just give you a, a framework to to work out of, of here. I'm going to plan right now. I'm going to plan my kids' future because we want them to, su- to succeed. Uh, if you just go to sportschange.com forward slash planner, P-L-A-N-N-E-R, um, sportschange.com forward slash planner, uh, you can get your free uh, download there. And yeah, so here we go. This is a very interesting topic on when do you specialize in sports? Do you specialize in sports? And it is something that you might be having the question in your head of, of do I need to focus 100% on the sports for my kid to succeed? Um, so let's go ahead and hear what Dr. Otonda has to say about early specialization in youth sports. Well, thank you for coming on the show here, Dr. Otanda, and I'm just uh, really excited to have this conversation. I know we've spoken a little bit in the past, and I'm glad to finally have this conversation with you. So thanks for coming. Oh, no. Thank you very much for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. Very good. And so if you could just maybe start off just telling our audience here, like, what is it that you do, uh, what your background is, and uh, yeah, just kind of get to know you a little bit here. Yeah, um, I'm from out here on the East Coast, um, born and raised in the good old state of New Jersey, did all my training and everything out here, and uh, I am now a uh, pediatric orthopedic surgeon, so I specialize uh, in kids, anybody under the age of 21, um, but I have further subspecialized uh, in sports medicine surgery, so 
not only are the, the, my patients uh, typically under the age of 21, but they're also uh, typically athletes um, of all levels, elite, uh, competitive, recreational, um, what have you. But uh, yeah, so I, I pretty much spend all my time with young guys and gals uh, who play sports and, and also their parents, yeah, which is a lo- large component of, of the people I have to treat. Um, most, mostly the emotional side of the, for the parents, but, uh, that's, uh, you know, the youth sports, uh, world is, is my world and that's what I live every day. That's good. Yeah. So you're at a, an interesting point in the, if you think of the, the life cycle of a, of an athlete, of a young athlete where they've, um, you know, they've playing their sport, they're coaching and now they've, they don't want to end up where they ended up when they, when they see you. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a negative thing that's happened, but then you get to see kind of speak into that, that time and, and help them out and, and bring them out the the other side. So that's, that's a very unique, uh, position to be in. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's really good. And, And me as a physical therapist, so I, I'll get them, you know, after people go through the surgery or before they go into surgery. And so it's a little, different um space there but yeah it's it's interesting being in that that space um as so with your experience with young athletes and especially that age group can you maybe speak to a little bit about what what types of injuries maybe you've been seeing seeing increase or what what's a common thing that's happening or i don't know if there are any kind of trends that you've noticed in your area or yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, I get those questions a lot. Yeah, um, same thing here. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think it depends on the, the time of year, um, right? So we're now getting into winter sports. Um, so you're going to see a lot of basketball, uh, a lot of wrestling, a lot of indoor track. Um, but then again, you know, you have folks playing, you know, indoor baseball, indoor soccer. Um, so we definitely see ebbs and flows of, of different uh, injuries depending on the time of year, I would say in general, probably the more common injuries that we see are by far uh, knee injuries. So whether it be cartilage damage, meniscus tears, um, big ligament tears, um, like ACL tears, and then also we see a lot of kids who dislocate their kneecaps or their patellar instability. Yeah. Um, those are probably the biggest injuries in terms of rate and frequency just throughout the year, regardless of sport. Um, obviously there are shoulder dislocations, elbow dislocations, ankle sprains. Um, but those are probably the biggest ones, um, that I see. And I'm a surgeon, so I'm a little bit biased intent because most of the injuries that come towards me, uh, I mean, I see non-operative stuff too, but most of the stuff we see are going to be your surgical, um, yeah. consults and referrals. Yeah, um, definitely. So I'm a little bit biased, but yeah, I mean, I would say those are kind of the big injuries that we tend to see daily that's good and so now kind of diving into this topic that we're kind of want to focus on here it is has to do with uh, specializing in a sport Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, this is kind of a a hot topic right now I think there's a lot of different um, things coming out with 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 kids that that have been specializing and maybe can you just speak a little bit what what are some of the concerns that um, you might have from a healthcare perspective of, of kids specializing in a sport early and, and I, maybe even what does that mean to, to specialize yeah, in a sport Yeah, I mean, early? you know, just, just to paint a picture of it, um, you know, when I was coming up, uh, I'm 41, 
So I spent most of my youth in the 80s and 90s playing sports, and I'm a big soccer player. Um, I played pretty much most of my life. And back then, you know, soccer was like August to November, maybe December. It was mostly a fall kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and if you were really, really good, maybe you'd play like on a travel team or you'd play you know, in the spring or, or in the winter. Uh, but by and large, for most kids, uh, it was in the, the fall. And um, the levels, you know, that it was at um, was is, is mostly not all that competitive. Um, obviously, kids were good and kids did compete, but it, it wasn't kind of like your job. You know, you played a couple of days a week, yeah. maybe a game on a weekend. You know, you, if you traveled, it was like, you know, 10 miles to the next township to play. And, and, and that's what it looked like. And when December came around, the playoffs were over, then you either did nothing or you started playing a winter sport. And, you know, fast forward 20, 30 years, I mean, that's been completely, you know, overhauled and flipped upside down. Um, as you know, eSports is big business. It's about a $10 billion a year industry. Wow. And uh, there are a lot of adults making a lot of money yeah. off, of, of, off of our kids. And now it, it is business. It is um, everybody's kind of pushing to that next level. Everybody's trying to get um, noticed and, and, and seen and, and trying to, you know, get to the elite level teams, trying to get to the college level and beyond. And I think, you know, the common notion of achieving elite level status, when you think of things like, um, being a chess player or being a musician, you know, you have to practice and practice and practice. They, Malcolm Gladwell popularized the 10,000 hour rule from his book outliers. Yeah. And that's uh, something that's thrown around a lot. Um, but I don't think it was particularly designed for athletes, uh, specifically youth athletes. He was talking more about things that you can't get hurt doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a lot of parents <laughs> have held on to that and they're like, well, if my kid doesn't play and they take a couple months off a year, they're going to get left behind because everybody's playing year round. So that's the big thing is everybody's doing everything year round. They're playing, you know, five, six days a week. They're playing on multiple teams. Um, they're getting private instruction, private coaches. They're doing showcases. And the idea is to specialize in one thing so you do it more than your competitors and you get better and then you get noticed and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of what has happened. And I think the driving force behind that is is just capitalism and, and people saw an opportunity to make money. And, you know, I always counsel the families that, you know, just think of what you're doing, right? Every single thing that your child does, every cleat they wear, every sock they wear, every tournament they play in, when they stay in hotels, where they eat, everything, somebody is making money off of it. Um, whereas in the old days, you know, you paid 10 bucks, maybe 50 bucks, you got two or three t-shirts, you know, somebody's dad was the coach and the referee, and, you know, you played two days a week or whatever it was. I mean, it was so different. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's a long winded answer, but in a nutshell, it's big business and it's people trying to do their sport as much as they can tolerate given the confines of yeah. their life and going to school, um, in efforts to hopefully achieve some sort of high level status, yeah. um, with their athletic play. Yeah. And that's where it kind of comes into the, I guess the, the issue say as a parent comes in their kid. Let's say the kid really is interested in a sport. He really wants to play in it. He sees good potential. Um, mm-hmm. And so what would be – there's this um, this thought, well, everyone else is, is training hard, so I'm going to 
put my kid in and everything I can. And, you know, if you have the finances and you can do that, um, what, what would be the, I guess, the disadvantages of doing that, um, having your kids specialize in soccer and baseball and, and whatever it is, um, what, what kind of effects do you see in the, in the kid? Um, yeah. Why is it such I a, mean, a disadvantage, I guess? I mean, basically the issue is, is that you're not giving certain body parts, certain ligaments, certain muscles, certain tendons a chance to rest because you're literally playing the same sport and using those same body parts over and over and over. Um, we, we, there's a lot of research out there, out there that shows there is somewhat of a protective effect, a protective effect of playing different sports. So if you have to play something, so just to backtrack, first of all, we don't recommend that kids play organized sports typically more than eight months out of the year. Um, they should have four months a year where they're literally just being kids and, and, and doing free play and just goofing off. And but with, if they have to, yeah, no, and, and actually kind of going on that point, I get a little bit, do you know, um, at what age that is or when that would change or if it would change or what would you, so we'd recommend that we recommend those things for people under the age of 16. Um, and we typically, a, a rule of thumb is we tell people that they shouldn't practice their sport more hours in a week than their age. So if you're eight, you probably shouldn't play your sport more than eight hours a week, whether it be practice, whether it be the game situation. And that's, um, and that's organized. And that's organized. So there's a, play. there's a big, right. di- there's a yeah. big distinction. So, um, organized free organized play, you know, their, their uniforms, parents are there. You've often traveled, you know, 500 miles to go and play. There's tournament fees that are playing. You're staying in a hotel versus, hey, I came home from school and I went in the backyard and me and, and, and 10 friends, you know, divvied up teams and we just played pickup basketball or pickup football, whatever it be. Those are two totally different things. But the ironic part is the athletic benefit and the cardio benefit and the teamworking and the socialization and all the good benefits that come from sports in those situations are exactly the same, yeah. right? When the kids are in the backyard playing, they're having fun. They're they're drawing plays in the sand. They're 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 making friends, they're meeting people, and they're running around. Um, but the difference is when you're doing that in the backyard, and like your knee hurts, or your ankle hurts, or you have a headache, or you don't feel good, you're just literally just probably just gonna walk off and go home. There's no excess pressure. There's no um, nothing really pushing you to play other than the joy of the game, but Fast forward that or contrast that to the big, you know, quote unquote, elite level tournament or the big travel tournaments. You know, it's hard to fly from, you know, Philadelphia to Miami to go play soccer and go all the way down there and sprain your ankle and say, oh, you know, my ankle hurts. I'm not going to play. Yeah. There's going to be so many other forces that are really in the kids' heads, i.e. their parents, their coaches, their friends, um, that that they're going to play at all costs. So free play is great. Um, and obviously you can get hurt doing free play. Um, but the idea is that you do it because of the love and the joy of it. There's very few external pressures and you're not going to do it through pain. So organized sports versus free play, is the big distinction. Yeah. It's not like we don't want kids being active more than eight months out of the year. We just don't want them doing, you know, their organized sports organized more than sports. eight months out of the year. And that's when we use that hour rule. Um, as well. I mean, if kids come home two hours a day and run around and play, I mean, we, we're all for that. Yeah. I think I even, you know, the U S soccer, um, I haven't looked at the actual studies, but I've heard that they, they've done some studies looking in other countries and why, why is our 
U.S. soccer program suffering right now um, and compared to other ones. And one of the main things that came back is is that exact thing, is that we have way too much coached um, interaction mm-hmm. with the kids. And whereas other places, there's just a lot more free time and um, free yeah. play with it. Um, and, and so they've kind of another- brought that into the – so they try to bring that into the coaching. So, like, let's not overcoach. And, but it's just interesting – um, there's even probably advantages of if you're talking about trying to, you know, develop a player, there might be more advantage in, in just creating these free play environments for them. Yeah, I mean, and, and if you look at, so soccer is a whole different animal because, first of all, in other countries, you know, the biggest, fastest, strongest people tend to play soccer. Yeah. Um, whereas in this country, they tend to play football and basketball, and that's just the way it is. Uh, but also, like you're right, the the focus in our country is 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 game competition play, um, whereas in other countries it's about like tactics and 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 team building and and skill development. But it's not so much playing like games that are really hard and and, and wearing down your bodies. I always tell my parents um, of the patients we treat. You know, you got to think of the way kids are treating themselves, you have to think of it as kind of like they're professional athletes. Obviously they're not, but if you treat your child as if they were a professional athlete in terms of their health, you would actually be doing them a huge service because a professional athlete, as you know, does not play year round. They do not play on multiple teams. They definitely don't play, you know, multiple, multiple games, unless it's maybe baseball, but multiple games in a weekend, um, the way, you know, youth tournaments of all sports are, um, most professional athletes will play, you know, if it's football, they play one game a week and they have probably two or three dog, three days off. And then they, they kind of go through the motions. They watch tape, they're doing drills, but they're not playing and killing each other all week. Yeah. Um, professional soccer players, you know, they usually play once a week, maybe twice. Whereas youth soccer, I mean, you have a tournament, you're playing, you know, quote unquote guaranteed six games in a tournament in a weekend and people think that's great. Um, (laughs) But you're, you're paying. (laughs) Yeah. You're paying to be there. Every game you play, you have to play for it. So they're like, Oh, you can get six games only for a thousand bucks and everybody jumps at it. But you know, no professional athlete or collegiate athlete would ever play six soccer games in a weekend. It just would never, ever, ever happen. And I think um, that's the, the, the big issue and the big disconnect is that the focus is so much on, competition um as opposed to skill development and i think um a lot of this that that drives this is is people trying to get to that next level but we do know that your average kid will never ever ever play their sport professionally um most kids will never play their sport at a division one collegiate level um and most kids will go to you know college or do whatever and just have a regular job just like anybody else and they'll probably play their sport at a recreational level when they're an adult so the only thing that you're guaranteeing your child by by having them play so much is you're just exposing them to the more potential for injury you're not guaranteeing or ensuring anything so that whole outliers mindset of like oh if i play ten thousand hours of soccer then i'm going to get to x y or z level that that's just a big myth. Yeah. And, um, so most what would, parents that we see don't understand that. Yeah. And then, so let me, um, be the devil's advocate here and this conversation too. Sure. Um, would be, so, you know, that a lot of, 
a lot of the issues I think are in just in the, the system, I guess you'd call it of, of how it's set up right now for kids to play. And, and if, so if I have a kid who I, you know, he, he, he wants to play in college and that's something that we want him to do. And we think he has potential, like how do you have any idea of, of how you as a healthcare professional and would you suggest that someone walk through that to still give them the most chance for them to succeed yeah. at what they want to, but not putting their body at, at just unfounded risk. Yeah. I mean, like I said, um, I mean, a general rule of thumb would be to ensure that they have about four months a year off from that sport. And I know some, some parents, crazy. they just, you just lost them right there. <laughs> yeah. They're and, like, and what? I, I, four months. My, I mean, I gave, I gave it a week. My next question is my next question. <laughs> my next comment was going to be, and people are going to think that I'm crazy yeah, when I say that. That exactly. was what was going to come out of my mouth. You're going to think I'm crazy, but you really need to give your child a rest. And the reason I say this is because the ideas of of, of athletic play is, is that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yep. The people that you see on TV, um, of, of course, they're good. But that's only a small part of it. It's probably only 25% of it is skill. 25% of it is probably luck. And 50% of it is probably just being healthy. Yeah. And never having some catastrophic injury or some catastrophic illness or having cancer or something crazy when you're a kid. Those are the people that their bodies just survive. Yeah, and it's so, it's interesting. It is like the the uh the I guess you could call it the professionalism of understanding how to take care of your body. Like that mm-hmm. that is ends up being is like a war of attrition. So those are the ones that end up, you know, making it to the end is because they've they haven't burned out psychologically they haven't burned out with you know they torn their acl or have a tommy john surgery or whatever you know the body didn't give out or the emotional state or their family state didn't give out you know there's all these things that will kind of put them through but if we just learn okay these are the things that we're going to do as a family and we've chosen to you know this is what our path is going to be and and giving people that that voice and that freedom to be, okay, I'm not going to do everything my coach says. Um, you know, that's, I think that's a hard place to be in, but I think some parents just don't know what the alternative is for it too. And, and and the idea is you are navigating your child along a long path and a long journey, and you are going to be their biggest advocate their injury is ultimately going to be your problem. What I always tell the kids and their families is like, listen, you're sitting in front of me in my office with an injury or a problem. I don't see your coach here. I don't see your teammates here. I don't see your private instructor here. The college scouts are here. There's no, this is your problem. So you have to take ownership and take hold of your athletic career. That's going to be a 30 to 40 year time period. And along the way, there are going to be hiccups, there are going to be bumps and bruises, there are going to be obstacles, there are going to be tough decisions. But you can't just say, oh, my team needs me, oh, I want to be good, oh, I have to keep playing. Like You have to look at it from a long perspective. And just like I said, professional athletes, sometimes you're watching a Phillies game and their starting you know, center fielder isn't playing. It's not because they're hurt, it's not because they're on disciplinary action. They realize that there's 160 whatever games they realize that it's a long season and every now and again, they just rest them. Yeah. Why? Because they have a long-term monetary and financial investment in these players. And in youth sports, it's the direct opposite. You are paying to play like the, the coaches, they don't, you know, the teams and all that, they don't have any 
long-term investment in you. They want you out there as long as you can stand on your two legs and contribute the fees to pay the organization. And as soon as you get hurt, they just find somebody else who can pay. Whereas in professional ranks, I mean, they can't have somebody they're you know, they're playing, paying their star player hundreds of millions of dollars. They can't have that person get hurt because they lose a lot of money. So they do everything in their power to take care of them. And that's the kind of, and, and people don't see it that way. They just say, okay, I need my kid to be good. I need my kid to be playing. I need my kid out there, but skill you can always play more to get more skill, but you can't always get more health. Yeah. That's what I tell people. And the bottom line is, um, you, you know, th- this is really, you know, how they perform and how like, their longevity and how successful they are is really governed by what they do when they're injured or having problems or what they do to prevent that the skill and the exposure and all of that is obviously important. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think that's the deal breaker. I mean, you can't tell me that along the way there hasn't been somebody better at basketball than LeBron James. Right. I mean, obviously he's one of the greatest of our time, Mm -hmm. but I guarantee you he wasn't always the best. I'm sure there were people along the way that were bigger, that were faster, that were stronger. And for whatever reason, whether it be an illness an injury, poor mentorship, poor life choices, you never heard from them again, and he's the one that made it. Yeah. But I think in our culture, we just look at someone like him and just say, oh, he's so great, he's so this, he's so that, and assume that he's always been that way, and it's only his skill that got him there. But a lot of it is luck, a lot of it is his health, um, and a lot of it is the health and luck of the other people that fell before him. Yeah. And it's that kind of mentality that, personally, that's just my bias that I think that really governs a lot of what happens. But in our our culture and our system and our country, I don't think a lot of people believe that. When you sit them down and you tell them, they kind of see it. But left to their own devices, people just usually get caught up in all the the, the glitz and glamour and and prospects of being you know at an elite level. Um, and I think people lose sight of that. Yeah, I think it, it you know just made me think of when you're talking about that is that people. And it's very easy for us to get into the the results oriented or the short term view mm-hmm. of you know I want to succeed at this and not realizing what the big picture in order in order to truly succeed if your goal truly is to get the college scholarship which again I I speak on like I I don't think that should be your main goal playing sports there's so many just the the character development everything that the kids are are learning in sports is so valuable for life. Um, but, yeah. if, but if that is your goal for, for reaching this, you know, full ride, whatever it is, um, that, that takes some planning and that takes like some intentionality about it. And part of that, which is not going to be provided for you is rest and is, you know, your planning of, of when you're training, when you're not training, what type of training you're going to do. And unfortunately, unless you're hooked up with, uh, someone who really is on your, side and they, they've walked through it they're not gonna no one's really out there looking for that kid okay this is how we're gonna walk them to college um it's more of how can we get you know like you said these these training sessions in and we're gonna get them better at pitching which is good but then they they're not really considering everything else um in it and that's totally that's what the parents role i think is and then if parents can learn it parents can see it, if coaches can see it um then they can provide some more grace for um, you know, if they're, Hey, my star kid says he's not going to play this tournament (laughs) 
And so, it can be a hard blow, but if you plan those out, hey, let's let's have him sit out, you know, these tournaments that don't really matter as much so that he is ready when the time is needed. But Yeah, you know, another thing that I add for parents, and again, this sounds crazy, but, you know, I always tell them, you probably don't want your kid being really good until they're probably like 16 or 17 and their bodies are, are mature and their growth plates are closed and they're like solid bone as opposed to cartilage. Um, you, you, you don't want your eight, nine, 10 year old kid being good at anything. You probably want them to be average. I, I, I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, it sounds so crazy. No, I get where you're that's going. How, it just that's how funny. you're going to be protected. You know, yeah. you do not want to be the biggest, tallest 10 year old out there because what's going to happen is that everybody's going to want you to guest and play for their team. You're going to have all these people in your ear about everybody's going to want a piece of you basically. Yeah. And they will use you up. And then when you can't handle it physically or mentally or emotionally, you will literally get discarded and they'll move on to the next big thing. You know, you, you want your kid to be, I would say average to maybe above average, just kind of fly under the radar, do their thing, grow, develop, and then you can peak when, you know, you're like 10th or 11th grade and really get after it, really try to blossom and shine. Um, but, you know, we get these kids in the office and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Doc, you don't know. He plays at a really high level, this, this and that. And I'm like, but, but sir, I mean, he's in third grade, yeah. you know, like <laughs> he's, he's yeah. literally like eight years old. Like it's probably not doing him any good to be like the world's best third grader and like burning his body into the ground. Yeah. Um, that's not going to create, we call it LTAP. We call it long-term athletic performance. I mean, that should be the goal of anybody, kid or adult, you know, playing, you want that long haul. You want to make it to whatever level you're going to be at. Yeah. You know, and, and then when you're eight, you have to think long-term, you know, it's not just, Oh, this tournament. Oh, I want him to do well. Oh, I want her to, to succeed. It's more like, okay, what can I do today to ensure that I am healthy and gaining skills and, and, and benefiting from sports tomorrow. That's great. Like that's kind of the mindset I at least tried to impress upon yeah. folks. No, thank you. That, this, this has been a good, good conversation here. Um, as we wrap up here, I know you got to go here soon. Um, if sure. you could give two, two things, one, um, just any, what would be, um, some last bit of advice. You're already kind of given it, to, but to a parent or coach who wants their kid to kind of really um, succeed in their sport, um, what kind of advice would you give them from a pediatric orthopedic standpoint? And then also just tell us uh, how people can get in touch with you if they want to find out more about you and what you're doing. Yeah, so, I mean, my bit of advice is, first and foremost, um, the kids have to be in it to, to have fun. They have to be in it for the social aspect, character development, team building, self-confidence building like all of that are the tremendous you know benefits of sport of sports that you can't get really anywhere else and obviously the cardio um uh, benefit is tremendous but i mean that has to be the first and foremost priority of the kids participating and and obviously them having fun um winning and being good is a byproduct of that um and and probably shouldn't be at the forefront until mid high school but uh, letting kids be kids and have a good time and, and, and not infusing adult views into it yeah. is what I would say um, is key. Um, and in terms of me, um, you know, I have my own YouTube channel, um, Alfred Atanda, MD. That's uh, A-L-F-R-E-D-A-T-A-N-D-A-N-D. That's where I talk about 
youth sports, telemedicine, telehealth, digital health innovations, orthopedic surgery. Um, we have a lot of different hot topics that we talk about. I'm also on Instagram, Alfred Atonda Jr. Um, is my handle. And then I'm Alfred Atonda uh, on Facebook. Um, awesome. So I'd love to hear from anybody who has questions, comments, concerns, uh, anything related to um, pediatric uh, and youth sports, as well as orthopedic surgery and uh, digital health innovations. That is great. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Tonda. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. And oh, thanks thank again you, for taking the time to uh, have this converse- conversation here. Totally. Anytime. Well, there you have it, people. That is my conversation with Dr. Alfred Atonda from Delaware. He's a pediatric orthopedic surgeon with a specialization in sports medicine. Um, Definitely someone who sees the effects of early specialization in sports. Um, He's the one that will see what happens when kids are kind of put through the system there. Unfortunately, like it came up in that conversation, um, there is... It's kind of a system that's that's not built to support the long-term health of a kid, and that's where coaches and parents has got to come in. Um, you know, all of us here, myself included, um, I just want to encourage you guys to to be a voice for the the long-term health and longevity of the kids that are playing the sports. Um, it is um, it's it's really it's an issue even at the top level. I'm not sure if you guys have um, seen what's been happening in the news um, just recently in, in November um, when Mary Kane, she's a runner um, that was training at, with the Nike um, training in Oregon and her story that came out of uh, just basically the abuse that she went through under um, these top uh, sport coaches that were not putting the health of the athlete and the female athlete in in front of whatever their their plan was and I don't know the whole story so I can't speak to it but um, it's just you know that's at a top elite level um, and it's happening on on the youth level as well so just as parents as coaches we just all got to be a voice you got to be a voice for your kids health um, again Dr. Tonda there he recommended that four months out of the year that you are not competing in a organized sport. Um, and so maybe that's a, a question you got to bring to your family. Is, is that something that you want to you wanna do? Um, how do you want to best prepare your athlete for the long-term success? Because it's definitely not going to be a popular um, decision by certain coaches, certain organizations. But it's a question that you should have for your family. And everyone's not the same. Everyone's different. But definitely something to consider for yourself of how do you want to set up your kid for the best uh, possible outcome for their sports career. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Thank you for joining in. If you like this, please uh, give us a rating on iTunes there. Um, Share this podcast with anyone that you think would be uh, interested and would benefit from it. And as always, uh, we are just um, giving away stuff. So this episode is so um, speaks to the need for periodization or an, our annual cycle, uh, sports cycle planner that we have for free download that we mentioned. At the beginning of the, of the podcast, be sure to go to that sportschange.com slash planner. And I just look forward to hearing any comments or any um, suggestions you guys have for topics you'd like to hear on this show. 
So until next time, have a wonderful, wonderful day.